Money Matters TV. My name is Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, and I'm your host today. I'll be joined later by Susan Springsteen. She's president of HTO, H2O, sorry, Connected. And before we talk with her, I'm joined by my co-host, John Mason, president and CEO Hi, of Finance. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you. So we are often together and we start this part of our show talking about the world of finance and what's going on in the economy and the different markets. And I feel like we never run out of things to talk about. Well, and, and uh, it's been two, two, three months now since we've talked and one can't believe how much has happened over that particular period of time and what's happening right now. It's just yeah. incredible. So let's let's dive into it. Where do you want to start? What's bubbling to the surface for you today? Well, that's 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 a hard thing to to uh, identify is where you want to start. Um, the um, one of the things that I'm watching so much now is the uh, the debt markets and and what's happening in the debt markets uh, because since the uh, um, uh, so much has been happening with respect to the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve pumping. Uh, tons and tons of money uh, into the financial markets and the financial system so that the liquidity out there is just huge. And it's, uh, it, it, it's uh, spreading everywhere uh, except into the real economy. I mean, here we get a, a real uh, uh, picture of what I think has been building up over the last uh, uh, few years in the sense that what the Federal Reserve does and what the federal government is doing is not going into the real economy and helping to increase the production of goods and services. Both, most of it, the money that's being pumped into the economy is going into the financial se sector. And as a consequence, we're just overflowing with funds there, but it's not getting into production of goods and services. It's not getting into employment. Right. So that probably explains why we're seeing businesses shutter. I'm certain in our local communities, would that, that would be a factor then for that, where we're seeing some of these small businesses that haven't been able to withstand the, the pandemic, the lockdown crisis, and also maybe they're not able to get access to these funds, the smaller, mid-sized businesses, local shops. That's that's correct, and uh, you know it's it's uh, it, it shows up in little bubbles here and there and the like. I mean, everybody's been talking about the the stock market and and uh, all the new highs have been hit. I mean, the the Nasdaq uh, uh, stock index went 16 days in which it hit 13 new historical highs. Right. The S&P 500 had 14 days when it hit 12 historical new highs just recently and and so the money is there the right. money is is come showing up in terms of uh, uh, we've got something now that's gained a lot of popularity called blank check corporations that you get well-known people with uh, uh, well recognized and things like that they're raising millions of dollars and what are they raising millions of dollars for well it's a blank check they basically have that money to go out and purchase another company. Wow. You know, so it's not going into pr production of goods and services. Mm -hmm. It's staying in that financial circuit. And we've talked about this before. I know you've brought up, you know, some great ideas around the fact that the metrics that we've used to really 
assess where the economy is may not be as a factor as much when we're talking about technology companies because they operate so differently from this traditional product and service. Are you still seeing that playing out today? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you find uh, the, the big movers in the stock market, of course, have been the tech sector. And so you have Apple and Microsoft and Amazon and, and uh, Facebook and those uh, that are have really, uh, um, uh, really gone to town as far as prices are concerned. But, you know, it, it's one of the things that's happening, too, is that there's a uh, it's uh, creating something now called zombie companies. And what's happening with the zombie companies is that they're not getting uh, cash flow. And so as a consequence, they with their debt coming due and other things like that, what have they been able to do? Well, they've been able to go out and raise money. I mean, even these that are are not totally. I mean, you, a, a lot of them you've seen fail. J uh, J R Crew and and uh, um, uh, Neiman Marcus and a lot of these others. But a lot of these companies have been able to get debt, and as a consequence, they've been able to extend their lives. And uh, they're being named zombie companies because they've got so much debt, and they're having so small a cash flow during these times that they're really dead. But but still walking. That's so uh, this is, uh, you know, and then you've got the federal government, and you got the federal government that uh, at the end of this fiscal year, uh, it, it's um, uh, the debt outstanding uh, is going to be ninety eight percent of gross domestic product. Now the last time that we've been that high in that right. that rate was uh, at the end of World War Two. Where should the number be, John? Uh, I think it should be around 20 <laughs> percent. Uh, so you're getting up to 100 and 100 percent, and next year it's supposed to go up to something like 105, and in a couple of years it's supposed to be up in the 110s and so forth. And and you know what you're talking now is that you're talking about uh, uh, you know a uh, a Pacific Coast island country that that. Right. Uh, has not, not been able to live off of anything but debt. And all this is hanging out there. And the Fed is doing everything it can in order to keep the markets liquid so trading continue. Right. The real fear, and this is what hanging over all this and so forth, is that the liquidity crisis could, could evolve into a solvency crisis. And if you get into a solvency crisis, then you've got huge problems because then you've got the defaults, you've yeah, got yeah. the closing of businesses. And, and this, you know, we're, we've got a big enough problem with Main Street and things like this, but we're talking about sizable companies here. Uh, so, so this is going to be a great topic, I think, for you and I to pick up on on our next show. And it's also makes this question that we have from our viewer, Janet Waldron in Wayne, even um, more apropos, what are some good and safe dividend returns from banks? So well, you just described all this fluctuation and changing, right? So how would you respond to Janet about that? Well, the thing in Janet's question that really uh, hits me is safe dividend returns. Um, I am not a big fan of the banking industry right now. Uh, the uh, the the four biggest banks and and you know the uh, J P Morgan, uh, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and and uh, Citicorp. I mean they've got uh, uh, 
they're got so much of the assets of the banking system and very frankly they're going to have a whole lot more this pandemic is forcing people to go more and more to uh, 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 internet tools and things like that. Uh, the big banks are more or less prepared uh, for that, and they're going to capture more and more and more of the business. Unfortunately, the other four to five thousand banks that are out there are 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 going to have very, very severe problems. So in terms of, of what you might call a safe dividend return for the banks, uh, I have problems with anything below the four largest banks in the country. Uh, I think we're going to see a tremendous drop in the number of banks over the next five years. And uh, uh, who's going to survive? Um, we don't know. anybody's guess right now. Uh, well, John, I appreciate the, that, that. The four largest will be alive and, right. and, uh, and some others. Well, Janet, we hope that that answers your question. And if any of our other viewers would like to send in a question to the show, here's how you can do that. You can have your questions answered on Money Matters. Please go to our website, money-matterstv.com. On our homepage, click on the banner on the right that says, Send Us Your Questions. While you're on our website, you can find information about our hosts and guests, as well as show notes and links about this show and past shows. Money Matters is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to Money Matters while you're on the go. That website address, again, is money, M-O-N-E-Y, dash matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, tv.com. Welcome back. We are so excited to have our next guest on the show with you. Her name is Susan Springsteen, and she is the president of H2O Connected LLC. And so with that, we'd like to welcome Susan to the show. And we have some great questions for her. I know we're going to have a fun conversation and I'd love to start this off, Susan. Tell us about you and what you're doing because it's exciting. Well, Kelly, I am really glad to be here. Actually, I used to be on uh, Money Matters regularly years and years and years ago when I was in the investment business. So I spent 25 years in wealth management and investment banking and um, and and was a regular guest and host of this show. So great to be back. Welcome, Welcome back. <laughs> and um, after being in the investment business for a while, I decided that um, I really wanted to make something tangible. And of course, you can't do that when you're managing investment portfolios. So I decided to look for a business to invest in that would actually um, make a tangible product I could hold in my hand and I would um, and then it would enable me to set the culture of the business which you can do as an owner more than you can as an employee and then I also thought I could have a greater impact on my in my community so I looked around for an, a company to invest in founded a product development company and then that led me to H2O Connected where I'm the president now. Well, first of all, that's all music to my ears. I'm all about the triple bottom line of people, planet, and profit. So that's wonderful. And tell us, what did you find? What are you doing? Well, I, you know, I moved over. I, I met my business partner through church, and he was heading up the product development uh, division of a manufacturing company. And both he and I are big made in America 
uh, mandate people. We love to have manufacturing in the United States. And so that was a big criteria when we wanted to form a company. Um, and then we ended up, his company was going in through some changes. So we ended up buying the contents of his office and starting a product development, manufacturing and business incubation company that we, um, we incubated called Nth Solutions. And one of the projects that he wanted to bring to life was a, a line of, of water conservation and damage prevention um, products. And so that's what we focused on in the beginning. Um, there are 350 million toilets in the United States and Canada. Who knew? They all <laughs> run and overflow. So we wanted to right. there was no solution. We wanted to solve it. So we we uh, went to work developing a solution, and um, and then that led us to eventually spin off that division into H2O Connected. That's awesome. So I know John's got a question because that's a really fun fact, but also staggering statement: three hundred and fifty million toilets. Right? That's a lot. Just in the U.S. and Canada. If you include the whole globe, there's over a billion more outside the United States. I'm not sure how they get to that statistic. But that's what I've been able to find. So there's a lot. Big market. So John's got, uh, I know, we're, I'm not even going to wait, John. Go ahead. Jump in with your question. Well, Susan, I just, uh, our little discussion uh, before we started here uh, was really intriguing. And, and I don't think, I didn't, I don't think people can realize what a tremendous uh, problem say having a uh, uh, leaky toilet or something can do in terms of uh, uh, expenses. Uh, could you kind of fill us in on that? Because to me, it just blew my mind. Yeah, well, first of all, if you've got a toilet, sooner or later, it's going to leak, run, or overflow. Running up your water bill, or if you don't on public water, it could saturate your septic system. It could run your well dry. And if it overflows, it can cause um, cause property damage that takes tens of thousands of dollars to remedy. So it, toilets can be a big expense. And just to give you a few statistics, a, an undetected running toilet, we've clock quantified them as leaking at four and a half to five and a half gallons per minute. So that translates into 7,000 gallons or more per day. And a lot of these running toilets are undetected for hours, days, or if the homeowner's on vacation, it can be a week or more. So that, and, and that cost then, at the average Pennsylvania rate of about $13 per thousand gallons for water and sewer, um, that can translate into $100 a day just from one running toilet. So if you get a high water bill, more likely than not, it's not a broken meter, it's a running toilet. So Susan, break it down for us then, what does H2O Connected do as to address all of this? H2O Connected developed and manufactures a line of, um, of products under the Leak Alerter brand name that can detect every type of water loss problem that can occur in a toilet. So for instance, if you're a hotel owner or, or a um, uh, apartment complex owner or manager, we now have a new device that we're rolling out into the marketplace that goes into the toilet that can wirelessly send a message to your maintenance personnel if the toilet is leaking or running or about to overflow. It also will tell you how many gallons per flush you're using. So it allows you to quickly make repairs and save water. Um, so we, that's, that's the new product. And we also have a product for homeowners as well. And does it 
kind of operate under the same principle. You suspect you have a problem. Like when would a homeowner um, start to use your product? Because you know, typically, I'm the type of own homeowner who thinks, well, if it's working, it's all good, right? But maybe not. Maybe it's on its way to not working so well. Yeah, actually, most people have no idea that their toilets are wasting wasting water. Um, so we have a, a Leak Alerter 6000. It's sold on Amazon and through our website, leakalerter.com. Um, that literally installs in seconds without tools. All you have to do is hang it on the wall of your toilet tank. The sensors go on the inside and the alert is on the outside. And when you flush the toilet, it will flash green if your toilet is functioning properly and it will flash red and beep during the flush cycle if, if there's a problem. And depending on how it flashes and beeps, it'll tell you exactly what the problem is. Is the toilet gonna run? Is the flapper need to be replaced? Does the, is the fill valve not functioning properly? So you can make a really efficient repair instead of guessing. And then the um, property management, the wireless device says, tells all, uh, gives the, the property manager all the same information wirelessly. And then there's a dashboard so that they can see all the water, both intended by flush or unintended by leak running toilet overflow, how they're, how they're um, using water. Right. That's amazing. John, I'm thinking about our conversation. You know, technology is just everywhere. You know, we have marketing technology and fintech and water tech. And just to think that you could have a dashboard to monitor all of this, of course, right? It makes a lot of sense today. So kudos to you for, and it's, for, it's for really important property managers because as they can save in their water costs, it increased their net operating income and their properties are valued um, based on a formula that ties to net operating income. So if they can, and there other than our products, there really isn't any other way to cost effectively and reliably uh, manage your water costs from the biggest leaker in your building, which is the toilet. So if we can help property managers raise, increase their net operating income, we can help them raise the value of their properties. Mm -hmm. Well, now, Susan, you talk about uh, uh, location and uh, where are you located and what are your plans in terms of uh, developing your operation? Well, this is really an exciting story. Uh, we are located in Coatesville, which is a qualified opportunity zone. When we decided to divest H2O Connected from End Solutions, we knew that in order to scale the sales of the Leak Alerter Pro, the wireless device, we were going to need to raise money to fund that scale. So we wanted to give our investors every benefit um, that we could. So we started, we looked at the qualified, the Opportunity Zone legislation, which is part of the 2017 Tax Act, that says if you locate a business or you renovate real estate in certain zones throughout the country you can get a lot of you can get tax benefits that are really meaningfully dropped to your bottom line so we went looking for where was the qualified opportunity zone in chester county and it turns out it's in coatesville so i went and explored coatesville and i found a town that um, has great history has great buildings has a very business friendly uh, city government. And then what really sold me on it was the people. The people in Coatesville are really pretty phenomenal. So um, I, we just, we um, started our, our, our initial office is in Coatesville now. And then we teamed up with a real, a qualified opportunity zone real estate developer to renovate a four, 1902 formerly vacant uh, Luke and Steel office building into our new headquarters and we're adding a 20,000 square foot engineering lab and manufacturing facility behind it. Mm 
So both End Solutions, H2O Connected, and a couple of other like-minded businesses will be moving out there as soon as it's finished at the end of the year. So we have plenty of room for expansion. We have plenty of room for our, manu our growing manufacturing. We can hire local workers, which really excites us. And we can be part of this really exciting revitalization of Coatesville. That's absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. I have a, a question for you. What in, in this process, so you've had this background in finance. Of course, you were on Money Matters, which is awesome. Um, what's been some of the most surprising things that you've learned either you know about what you're doing now, whether that is water in general, manufacturing, what's kind of um, really struck you in a way that you just didn't anticipate as you've been on this journey? Wow, that's a really good question. I think on the negative side, I've learned just how many ways Murphy's Law can visit you. <laughs> well, when you start a business and it's a capitally intensive, capital intensive business, you're making a you know, you've got to buy molds and there's a development process and we're dealing with electronics and enterprise software. And I mean, there's just, there's, you can't think of everything. So you have to have a really good team, which we do. We have a lot of geniuses in house and we all work well together, even in the trenches, even under stress. Um, and I think the other, on the positive side, I love to see what, I love what we've created. I love the fact that we're bringing jobs to a town that, really people are dying you know they really want to work right. and so we're giving them that opportunity and i love the fact that this business can take entry-level jobs so people either returning returning citizens or, or unemployed they can come in as an entry-level worker for a lower skilled job and then we can stair step them to higher and higher skilled jobs that pay more and more so we can actually grow folks and you know they want to work hard to where they can then get to a point where they're they're they have financial independence they can buy their own homes they can create a life for themselves and i think that that's something that's just been really really rewarding that i didn't envision when i started this journey that's great. I was going to ask you what type of skill set does someone need to bring, or is that something that you do all the training with them? You know, if they're coming in at entry level, we we train most on the job. I mean, our our view is that we're not as concerned about what happened to you before you walked in the door. Like we're you know so. We're, we're fine if you've made some mistakes in your path, sure. awesome. um, but we, we can teach somebody, you know, the has some pretty basic skills for the legal letter. There's cutting, there's, you know, there's pairing the sensors, there's learning to solder, and then it can go up to being an installer, logistics, warehouse management, a technician, learning to read data. So it, there actually can stair step into some highly skilled jobs. Some are going to have sales capability, administrative capability. And what's great about taking an early stage company into an opportunity zone is those companies are going to grow. So they're going to have bigger and bigger and bigger need for employees. And in, in the indirect jobs created are huge. One manufacturing job creates seven indirect jobs in the community. Right. So you know, it's, it's really, um, and, and we, we train on the job. So if somebody really is excited to work for, with us and they play nice in the sandbox, we are all about helping them grow their skill set into wherever they want to go. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I have a personal question. Yeah. Uh, 
it uh, uh, I've I've worked with a, a lot of startup companies and young entrepreneurs and innovators and things like that. And one of the things that is the hardest thing in the world for some of the, uh, some people to do is move from a large, more bureaucratic type of organization into one where you're the only one there. And as a consequence, it may turn in from a 40 or a 60 hour a week job to what I would describe as a job that's 24 seven. How did you find that transition, Susan? Well, I think being in the investment business the way I was, was a good, was a good learning environment because when you're a wealth manager, I had a wealth manager practice with a, a partner there, but you really do create your own clients. It's like having your own business on someone else's capital. So you get this, it's very, and we're paid according to what we produce. So already it sort of hones that entrepreneurial spirit and you realize that it, you're not going to work a nine to five job. Then when I got into my the uh, having my own business and, and um, then I was responsible for signing the front of the paychecks, you're right. You quickly learn that you know there are no there are no set days, and but I, I guess that's part of my personality. It just didn't seem to be that big of a problem for me. Um, and I work long days. I'm working at least I work weekends. So, but it, it's all it's all worth it because of of what we're creating. So, Susan, we have just about two and a half minutes left. And in that time, since you were talking about what you're creating, tell us about what's on what's on deck. What are your goals for for the next year or two? Well, certainly launching the Leak Alerter Pro into the marketplace and and grabbing that market share in the hospitality, multifamily, student housing, and senior housing markets. Um, so I think then we can really have a meaningful impact on water waste and, and water cost. And then also moving into the, the new facility and expanding that out. Um, we are also, we have on board a, eventually we'll have a wireless version for homeowners that will be able to hook into their own um, wireless gateway. Um, we've been talking to some folks who are, are the household names in that space um, about partnering with them. So that those three things and then and then growing the Leak Alerter 6000, which is the homeowner version, growing that name recognition mm -hmm. uh, nationally. So I think that'll keep us pretty busy for a while. That should keep you very busy. And we've really enjoyed having you on the show. I mean, our water is such a vital, precious resource for all of us. So, you know, to find ways to um, help us manage that and control that waste, I think is absolutely wonderful. So thank you for what you're doing. John Mason, the eternal optimist. <laughs> Thank you so much for enlightening us today. It's been a pleasure, Kelly, and it's oh, been a pleasure to meet you, Susan, and Thank to hear you what you're much. doing. Good luck to you. This was a lot of fun. Have me back. Absolutely. Well, we've we've really enjoyed having you here. Look forward to your keeping tabs on your progress. John, any um, a final hello, a final note to anyone before we lend out in thirty seconds. <laughs> Oh, just keep optimistic. There you go. All right. So then that kind of pairs with me as you know. I, I've never say. lost a game in my life. That's right. <laughs> so until we are able to be on the show again, everyone, please be well and expect great things from everything you do. On our next show, we have biotech consultant, Dr. Stephen Kahn. Please join us for that. Mm -hmm.